0: All right, this is episode number 60 of the Bearded Marketers podcast, the only internet marketing podcast that matters. I'm Rob. And I'm Corey. Catch new episodes every Monday morning at com slash podcast. Of course, you can also catch us on Stitcher and iTunes. Take a second to follow us on Twitter, Google Plus, Facebook. We have a newsletter at thebeardofmarketers.com. We, uh, we throw out a bunch of interesting stuff outside of this podcast. We've videos, other pieces of content, tips, tricks, you know, whatever. Too.
1: We set up a new creative space that we're going to be doing a lot more recording in.
0: Creative space, good way to put it, yeah. Thank you. Thank we have a nice recording studio. So we'll be dropping some new videos on you guys. Sign up for the newsletters to keep up with when we drop those. We've got a bunch of new things to talk about today. A lot of social media, I guess. You know, we're gonna we're going to pick up some Google tips as well. Mm-hmm. But what are you drinking before we get into the show?
1: I'm actually doing an old-fashioned. We're eagerly awaiting our new shipment of delicious scotches. They're coming overseas from the UK, but had to revert to an old classic today. How about yourself?
0: What kind of whiskey slash bourbon are you using in this old-fashioned? Oh, Buffalo
1: Trace. Is there okay. any other option? Buffalo Trace bourbon.
0: Yeah, that's my favorite as well. I'm doing an old-fashioned as well, but I'm doing a scotch old-fashioned with oh. Talisker 10 in it. Give mm. it a try sometime. we Will do. You can't have any of mine. <laughs> All right. Run us through the topics and let's just jump right into it.
1: All right. So tonight, kicking things off with Pinterest. Pinners be pinning, as Rob would say. Yeah. Moving on to email. What are some, we typically stray away from these like five best tips. We don't necessarily like going down that route, but I thought there was an article that we came across this week that had some very tactical tips on getting out of your own way with your emails that might be hindering your performance. Google Corner, making a return this week. So what are the things happening from Mountain View? And actually one, in the Google corner that happened locally to us this week. Lastly, how do you get more testing buy-in into your organization? Some tips and actually a lot of actual experience in that field. So kicking things off, pinners be pinning. What's going on in Pinterest land other than people just spending hours at their job doing Pinterest when they should be working? Well, that's what's happening.
0: (laughs) So I guess Pinterest got a huge evaluation recently. I was not really aware of this. Several billion, I'm sure, like everyone else, just throwing billions around So this company called RJ Metrics took a deep dive into a lot of the publicly available data on Pinterest. So obviously there's public pages and you can see how many people, how many pins people on average have, blah, blah, blah. They really deep dove into some of this stuff. I'm going to play a few games on this, see if you can guess some of these proper categories and top pin websites, things of this nature. So number one, women's pins by category, which category would you say gets the most pins? I'll give you a few options here. Okay. Uh, holidays and events, weddings, Ooh. home decor, do-it-yourself and crafts, or food and drink.
1: Oh, man. Those last oh. three are tough. <laughs> I would say...
0: One okay. is far and away. The top one.
1: I would say do-it-yourself.
0: I mean, that was number food? two. Do-it-yourself is number two. Food and drink, number one. Damn. Get I almost said program. that one. <laughs> For some reason well, this,
1: I, I guess what skewed me is I've seen a couple of those like Pinterest fail threads where mm. people took their pinterest picture okay. tried to execute it, and it <laughs> i tried came to make out this like... cake
0: so food and drink obviously number one okay. uh there's no for some reason there's a scale on this chart. i don't know how many pins on average this is for but food and drink gets roughly double of do-it yourself and crafts and home decor from there goes holidays and events hair and beauty and that really just starts to drop off and they're all virtually the same i think i was kind of surprised that weddings wasn't higher up there i think the reason for that is girls pin wedding things on their private
1: boards. Oh, gotcha. They don't want people seeing their secret stuff. Don't steal my wedding ideas. Yeah,
0: don't steal my wedding ideas. Also, don't freak out the boyfriends. Well, that's what I was about to say, (laughs) is they also don't want (laughs) to seem crazy. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so that was the first game. Game number two.
1: So much pressure.
0: Most repins by domain. So this is going to be awfully specific. I'll give you a few options here. Number one, westelm.com. Love their stuff. Number two, brides.com. Number three, urbanoutfitters.com, WilliamsSonoma.com, quirky.com, or etsy.com? Ooh. What is number one? Again, far and away, there is a number one. It's not even close.
1: I'm going to say etsy.
0: Etsy.com. Yes. It's not even close. It's not <laughs> even close. Different ballgame. So, if you're looking for benches traffic and you want to look at a good maybe repin strategy, mm-hmm. I mean, Get head over on to Etsy, Etsy, see what the hell Etsy's doing, because their game is on point. Tons of repens for Etsy. Number two is Urban Outfitters, and they are not even close to Etsy. And then it just falls away. Uh, William sonoma West Elm, Pokedo. I don't even know what some of these things are. Obviously, I'm not in the <laughs> target in the demo. <laughs> a few more stats I want to drop on you. I won't make you play a game for these. I think this speaks to how active people are on Pinterest. I'm not a Pinterest user, so I don't know what kind of changes they've made over the years to probably try to increase activity. My um, wife's
1: second husband is Pinterest, so I can at least identify with some <laughs> of the users.
0: We see a drop-off in male users from when they sign up four years later. Still, though, 50% actively using Pinterest. Wow. I mean, that's a pretty big fall-off, but still, that's that seems really high to me. Sure. Females, though, four years later, still 84% are actively uh, pinning. After four years of using they Pinterest, that seems in. insane to me. So, not only do people stick around after they sign up for Pinterest, on average for females they pin more and more every year that they've <laughs> had a Pinterest account. So, uh year one average, I think like forty-two pins per year. Mm-hmm. By year four, they're over hundred and fifty pins wow. per year on average. So
1: it's like that and Dave it, Chappelle meme with a crack, like y'all got any more pins? <laughs> <pants?" laughs> y'all
0: got any more pins? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Men, though, fall off terribly. One year, two years, we're still hanging with it, and then by four, uh, screw this, we're done. (laughs) I don't know. I I think it's just a good case study of how do you keep people actively engaged in a social network. I mean, there's a million of them out there right now, Mm -hmm. so I think it's hard to keep people's attention, but Pinterest has obviously figured out the formula. They're getting involved in all sorts of random things out there now. Yeah, one
1: of the things I I haven't seen too many brands execute, which might be an opportunity for some if you have a, a solid Pinterest strategy and following, is... Pinterest has opened up some API features, including being able to host a store directly on Pinterest and Mm -hmm. be able to purchase products and things like that directly from uh, the Pinterest ecosystem. So you might want to do some investigation on what is available to your company that you can uh, potentially leverage that longevity and that engagement that Pinterest has with its users to maybe increase your bottom lines.
0: Pinterest is one of those sites that, again, I'm not a user, uh, but I know that there's opportunity out there. And Mm -hmm. I think we need to spend some time and really check it out because I think we have some clients who could probably take advantage of it. But uh, obviously huge numbers of users, people really heavily engaged with it. There's some unique opportunities. Hell, I've seen like ads for Pinterest in Target stores, like little Pinterest ads Mm -hmm. next to Pin This. You see it all over the place now. So take a look at Pinterest. Those are some stats for you. All right. What else we got?
1: Pivoting over to the email world. Came across this article that had some five takeaways on, like I mentioned, getting out of your own way, but making sure that your email strategy isn't also causing yourself some harm. So these are actually tips that aren't going to necessarily increase your open rates, but are things for you as an email marketer or just a marketer in general to think through. And I think some of this actually has carry over to PPC and really other marketing platforms that you might use or channels. But I thought that some of them people need to take into consideration because I think with email marketers, sometimes it's a little bit immature in the way that they go about testing things and how they look at metrics, looking at really the big picture as it relates to the business. So I think some of these tactical takeaways can help you refocus, but also come up with a better holistic strategy. So number one, do not write subject lines that promises something that your email doesn't deliver on. And I find this Very often, actually, when I'm looking at emails, you'll write a catchy subject line, it'll hook me, and then sometimes I'll click into an email searching for what actually got me into viewing this email. Mm. And I think that not only does that potentially hurt performance, obviously, on click-throughs, but it does potentially bring up some anger in the user as well that you're not delivering on your emails feels bait and switch potentially could affect your unsubscribed rates?
0: Well, I feel like it could affect future open rates. I mean, obviously you sort of lied, maybe not directly or on purpose, but maybe I'm not going to believe your future subject lines. I don't know if you're going to mention this one, but similarly, if you have pictures in your email and I go to click on them and I end up on the website, like your homepage, Uh, when I wanted to find that product. That's another example of that. So I'm going to do a call out on
1: this because this happens a lot. Screen.com. You guys are actually very notorious at doing this. That's a cold-blooded call out. They will have images. Good company. We actually use them for the Bearded Marketers T-shirts. But they have an email marketing strategy that they generate some really good creatives. I think of them up with American Apparel and West Elm. like They have very engaging images. And some of their products look very neat. You'll click through the email and they're featuring a particular shirt in their creatives you can't find it on the page. Mm-hmm. Like and there's not a very we won't even get into it but screens clean up your game. One thing I want to say on that is part of that might be because you are actually testing your emails and if you are doing some split testing or AB testing on your emails make sure that what you're actually testing your design creatives actually tie in with that. So if you have a subject line test and you might be testing some email content as well, make sure that those combinations aren't going to be out of sync with one another so you get these pairings that are going to perform really well but also negatively affect your readership like you were talking about. Number two, and this is one I would say the fashion industry probably suffers from a little bit more furniture, but make sure that your email isn't overly designed and complicated to where I'm losing sight of what I need to do. Most of our emails... The goal is to hook someone with a relevant subject line and then get them onto our site and focused on the offer at hand so we can have them more focused out of the inbox and on our properties. And sometimes I would say that internet marketers get a little bit too aggressive with their designs in that they're very attractive looking. But as a user, I don't know where to go. And oftentimes many people don't actually just click on the entire creative. They're looking for... Somewhere, some specific element to actually click through to get onto the website. And if you've made that difficult because of your design creative, because you've over-designed it, uh, you could be really shooting yourself in the foot and making some bad assumptions on maybe that subject line or even the content theme of that email just because your design is actually just poorly implemented from a, a UX perspective. Moving right along, also in the same kind of vein with your designs, Make sure that you're keeping it focused. Uh, this is something that I've run into quite a bit with email marketers, and that I feel that the consensus with many marketers is I can have a main theme, which probably ties in with my subject line, hopefully, but then I just want to throw in as much stuff into that email as possible to hopefully get a click. You know, I have to have high open and click through rates, but the problem with many emails is it becomes an overwhelming experience, just like landing pages and websites we were talking about last week. Email now becomes this collage of random things to grab my attention. And even though I might be supremely interested in the in the content that you have at the top, as I scroll through that page, there might be more content pieces that are less and less relevant. And then at the end of it, I've totally forgotten about the main item that I was maybe interested in clicking in, but I've read all this other stuff that I don't care about. So now it's like back to my inbox, delete that one and move on. So just be careful how far down the path you go with your email and how many things that you just throw in there to try to get clicks.
0: Yeah, you can compare it to a lot of large retailers' homepages. They just throw tons of shit on there and it's... Most of it's not relevant. I don't even like look at them anymore. You just straight go to category pages and things like that. But emails that are a mile long with ten different sales and all this other crap on there that can't work well.
1: Last two, and we'll make this quick. Make sure. Okay, so we were talking about this earlier. What the goal of the email is? It's really to be show relevance to the subject line. People were obviously motivated to click, and so we want to show that relevance on the email, and then we want to give them a little taste to get them onto our properties and focused. Well. If your email gives away the whole shebang, what's the incentive then for me to actually click through? It just becomes more news and announcements Then I'm like moving on. So if your email is generated to trying to actually get someone onto your site, maybe it is an announcement or whatever it might be, just be sure that you're giving them enough of a morsel to be interested more, but you're not giving away the whole bag uh, within the email and really... Uh, mitigating the reason why they need to click through and get onto your site. Again, we want to get them on our properties, get them focused, uh, get them away from that inbox where there might be other things trying to grab for their attention. Lastly, make sure that you're doing, this is kind of basic, but make sure that you test your delivery times as well. Because many times you might have a great email, you're just delivering it at the wrong time. And your readership might have specific trends on when they want to receive emails, when they're actually going to perform some actions. And I hate to see that some companies have really great email designs, but they might just be delivering it at the wrong time where people are just kind of in a casual browse mode Mm -hmm. and and aren't necessarily going to interact with it. So really play around with your timing as well as with your emails. And a lot of the bigger platforms now have gotten better at learning these things. So you can create actually unique profiles per emailer as long as they are generating enough frequency for you. But again, make sure you're paying attention to that because delivery times do play a big role into uh, engagement. So that's it from an email standpoint. We'll tweet out the link. But also, what are some things that you guys have found? What are some little tactics that you come up with over the years and what you've seen on your particular list as well? Moving right along, Google Corner, yeah. Rob, what is going on in the secret towers at <laughs> Mountain View?
0: Just run through a few quick things that have been going on with Google lately. Number one, Google Glass. I don't know if everyone's not aware of what that is. Do some Googling right now of what Google Glass is.
1: You might be laughing at people. (laughs) It is a pretty cool product.
0: It's a cool idea. You know, we'll see what happens with it. I want to get to the point where I'm
1: putting in a contact lens. I just
0: want to plug something into my brain. (laughs) I want to skip all that. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so the news with Google Glass is for the first time ever, Google Glass, I guess, had a stand and they were selling it in public, demoing it in public. I guess for the longest time you had to buy it online Mm -hmm. from Google. And this was at TPC. Right in our backyard. Yeah, right here in our backyard at Bonavidra. Mm -hmm. We don't go. Or you did.
1: (laughs) I did. I try to avoid it as much
0: as possible. Terrible. Tools from all around the world travel in (laughs) wearing their pink polos and ruin everything for the weekend. American flag pants. Thanks a lot, you jerks. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. Google is testing some different ranking methods in their product listing ads. Mm -hmm. So just for
1: the people that might not be familiar, product listing ads are when you do a search query and in AdWords instead of just showing a text or an image ad or whatever it might be, you can actually give them a product feed and market your products directly in the search results. So if you want to actually test this, search like best TVs in Google right. and you'll see some ads of actual TVs being generated. That's a PLA or product listing ad.
0: Right, so traditionally they rank these things by bid just like everything else, right. bid and click-through. Give me that money. Yeah, exactly. So if you do a search for TVs, you'll see these rigged by bid and click-through rate their little algorithm. But they've been testing recently if you do a Google search for, like you suggested, best TVs, they'll be ranking things by rating instead of purely click.
1: But just keep a note that the ratings, at least at this point, are typically generated on the actual merchant itself. It's not actually on the product reviews. So you will... It's essentially a trust review indicator, mm-hmm. not necessarily on that exact product.
0: Which I guess makes sense if you do a search for... A specific product, but if you were to, so for example, best TVs, it doesn't necessarily make sense. I don't care who the best merchant is. I want to know what the best TV is, right? So it should be right. ranked by product rating.
1: I, not th- yeah, I think rating. that they're probably That's kind of a weird. Well, I think that their concern probably at this point is maybe they just haven't tackled a good way on ensuring quality yeah. on reviews. Like yeah. how, how do we know that there's certain criteria that are follows Maybe they'll come out with a product later on where you're submitting reviews to a Google process or you have to follow a terms of service with your reviews. Mm-hmm. But I think that's probably kind of what's holding them back on using that. Is just how do we ensure that you're following non-iffy tactics to get your product ratings always very high.
0: Last thing I'm going to mention about Google, and this is a recent study that helped me lose even more faith in humanity by a UX firm called Bunnyfoot out in London. Uh, yes, great name.
1: I guess we can't talk about the beard marketers, but that is a, <laughs> that's a very interesting name for uh, an agency.
0: Okay, so what they did was they just, wide range of demographics, people from like 18 to 65, over 100 people, participants, multiple locations across London, so it wasn't here in Morocco. Keep That in mind. Basically, the results of this, and this is why I wanted to mention this keep this in mind if you're a paid search advertiser, or really anyone, I guess. This could apply to anything because I think a lot of us in this industry take things for granted and assume things that assume that everyone else sort of knows what we kind of know. Oh, absolutely. So, here's some stats for you 27% of users involved in this recent study did not realize that Google had any advertising whatsoever, despite the orange, yellowy logos everywhere that say ad. Mm-hmm. Despite how much money Google makes every year, and everyone's aware of that, I guess they just never connect the how do they make money. The other stat 36% of users did not realize that the ads themselves were ads, even though they said ad. <laughs> So if you showed this to someone right here, right? And like, is this an ad? No, Mm -hmm. there's no ads. That's the top. That's just the best because it's at the top.
1: I think two things on that. I think that's kind of indicative on how quickly people just kind of skim through pages to kind Mm -hmm. of find what they're looking for. But also I think how much of that is potentially related to just habits. You get set in your process in which you absorb a search engine result page and you've been using Google for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so if you started your relationship with Google, not thinking that they're ads, even though it says ads on there, you're so accustomed to using that, you know, X amount of times a day and you go through your normal processes. Maybe small things like that are just kind of blinded. You know, I I don't even pay attention to that. I'm just kind of scrolling through and I don't, Pay attention to this very. We had actually a debate about this: if it was yellow or orange, and it bridges both it of those color spectrums, <laughs> but you don't notice those even indications that it's an ad. Well,
0: another thing to keep in mind too is, and the examples they give: this is I'm picking this up from eConsultancy is for the search term car insurance, which obviously has text ads all over the place, but also has this sort of rich media ad thing where you can get quotes directly from Google. So, mm. and that is not very clearly an ad, although you know, we here in the industry would know it as one, right? So if they were using that as a sort of, is this an ad? I could see people going, no, No. it's just, you know, some cool service that Google has that connects you, you know, car insurance quotes from other people. So I could see how that could be a little confusing, but the rest of it still sort of blows my mind that there are that many people still out there who do not realize that Google has ads all over the place.
1: So use Uh, that to your advantage, exploit people. Right. Well, I
0: think that (laughs) that applies to a lot of things, obviously. So you know, I'm sure there's a ton of people out there who have no idea that Twitter even has ads, right? It's true. Twitter ads have worked great for us in, in every sort of industry that we've used so far. Apply that to everything else. I mean, there are still a lot of people who don't realize that the little ad that you wrote and have on a website is actually an ad. And they trust it more because they don't realize that. There's a lot of naive people out there still. So. Take advantage. Their their dollars spend the
1: same. (laughs) So the last topic that we'll have, and we'll spend a little bit of time on here because we've made some good progress so far, is how do you get increased testing buy-in? And this was spurred on, not, not just with our experiences, but conversion rate experts had an interesting blog post on this where I think... Every sort of consultancy or agency takes different tactics, but they were talking about, you know, one of the things that we struggle with is we come in with these new clients and we are here to help them with their website. And obviously the people that have onboarded us are bought into what we have, or maybe they're skeptical, but they've seen enough to give us a shot. But that doesn't necessarily carry over to the entire organization that might have to be involved in testing. You might have... Data teams like analytics, you might have other aspects of your marketing team like channels, uh, maybe the PPC team, maybe the SEO team. You have IT that might need to be building stuff out. You might have other aspects within the business like order fulfillment and things like that that might be touched by testing. So, because all these people are involved, how can we essentially get those people bought into what we're trying to do? So when we have a relationship with this company and we're working with them, it's not abrasive. It's not this relationship where we work really great with our in-house conversion rate optimizer, but everything else takes forever to complete or there's always this pushback. And so one of the tactics that they took was to creative video. I think it's like 20 or 30 minutes long that kind of explains what they're trying to do and, and in effect, trying to make their business more successful, which is in the end going to make everyone more successful. And they kind of go into specifics on what are the tactics they use and things like that, which is interesting. I don't know if necessarily people are going to spend 30 minutes to look at that. I know that one of the things that we focused on here, and I think I would challenge a lot of other people is similar to conversion rate experts is you have to involve some parts of the organizations, or I would highly recommend that to ensure that your testing future within your company goes as smooth as possible. Particularly with IT, most marketers that I know are not full-fledged developers. They might be hacks like I am and, you know, can work through uh, some very simple stuff. But, you know, you quickly run out of button color tests and things like that to right. do. And really those don't really move the needle or address probably the bigger questions or issues on your site anyways. So once we get beyond just those boilerplate 10 best landing page tips and we're getting into the nitty gritty, what really puts more money into the bank, that's when you, you're you probably going to have to interface with your IT team. And that can sometimes be a very challenging relationship. You know, they have their own priorities they have their own tasks and you might just not have a very good IT team just in general. They don't want to work or whatever it might be. So what I've really found to be of benefit in some of our relationships was one, letting them know what you're doing and including them on the road mapping. These are the things that we found on our site. You got to be careful of how critical you are because some of them can take it personally. When you start hammering people like our navigation's terrible and things like that, if I be a programmer in that room that's listening to you or have heard that through the grapevine, and now why would I want to work on your stuff? You're out there bashing me to the entire company. Right, yeah, that's a a huge one. So, I mean, there is a diplomatic aspect to this job and getting people bought in. But also what I found, and you might be surprised, is soliciting IT for ideas for testing. Maybe you want to pitch to the entire IT team, hey, we have these tools, So if you want to create a feature in your spare time, or maybe we peel off five or 10 hours a week or a month for you to focus on something, we can actually test that. Create like an agile prototype group within your IT team. And now you've gone from this kind of abrasive, I need to get my stuff done and prioritize it over these things. And it's always this battle or stepping on people's toes to now having a testing group and people within the organization bought in. And now you have people completing your stuff and excited for it. So I think that people sometimes need to really take maybe some tactics from like House of Cards. I mean, there is like a, there is a politician's <laughs> <you>. is like... <laughs> that what you're going for? <laughs> I haven't got that far into <laughs> oh, damn, the show. Oh, uh, it, I ruined it for show. you. Um, but there is a political nature to testing and you need to make sure that you've created an ecosystem and environment internally where people are bought in because it's very difficult to do lone wolf in many organizations, particularly big ones. Another one that i found to be quite beneficial is making sure that you're sharing those results to a greater audience. So typically what I find in the testing world is we will do these things, we'll be testing our emails or landing pages or whatever, and we share them with our immediate constituency, maybe it's our CMOs or things like that, but we don't share with the IT team or we don't share with other parts of our organizations that might benefit from the information that we're learning but also what that does is making sure that people are aware of the great things that you're doing. Maybe you are having some misses, but just because a test fails doesn't mean that you're not going to learn something that also might prevent future mistakes or beating, you know, people beating their heads against the wall. So, make sure that you're communicating. Sometimes causes some hesitation because you're scared of more eyes on what you're doing or concerned about additional questions, but I do find that making sure that you're not just hoarding your test results and communicating them only to certain people can sometimes hurt the internal buy-in because people feel like you're some secret organization that doesn't share their data or isn't really doing anything. So they don't think of you as an option internally. So again, communication can really be key for that. But is there anything that you've come across in working with any clients that you thought would be a a good takeaway for people?
0: I mean, aside from just general principles of having to work with other organizations, I mean, whether it be within your own company, uh, different departments, or working as a client with new organizations and the departments inside those, one thing I have noticed is, you know, getting buy-in from the dev departments of whoever you're working with is always super important. And a couple ways of doing that is either being proving proficiency, knowing what you're doing, whatever it is you're working with, whatever dev environment you're working with, Or the other one is always deferring to them in a diplomatic way. So if you don't know what you're doing, always asking them for help, making it seem like you need their help and you want their help, not that just like you're looking down on them and like uh, sort of demanding things from them. But I've never really had to sort of get buy-in for testing itself. I've always worked with organizations that are aware of its benefits and sort of have always been on board with the concept. So that's all I've got for that.
1: That's going to do it for us on this episode. Thank you so much for your time. If you enjoyed yourself like we did, leave us a rating on iTunes. It'd be greatly appreciated or share with colleagues or friends. Also, if you have a topic for us to discuss, maybe there's something that you're struggling with or you're just interested in our thoughts, you can either give us a call at 904-270-9603 Or you can drop us a line at thebeardmarketers.com and go to the Contact Us page. We'd love to hear from you. And any suggestions that we get, we typically cover on the very next show. Again, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for your time. And we'll see you next week.